Hi everyone, welcome to the Build Your Book podcast. This is your host, Aaron Bear and Neville Tank. Every week, we bring to you stories about the legal profession to help lawyers build a better book of business, a better practice, and a better life. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Build Your Book podcast. And as always, we've got another amazing guest today. We are joined by Steve Warner. He has so many years of experience in sales, doing some really innovative things, has been a contractor at an AMLAW 200 firm, JD, and tons of experience. And we're so excited, Steve, to have you on the podcast. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So Steve, I'm curious about your sales journey. You've worked at a number of different places in some really, really interesting roles. And I know you've seen a lot. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what, it, what it's been like as a JD who's spent a lot of their career in sales? Thank you. Um, Aaron, I got to tell you, I've always wanted to sell. When I got into the business world post-academia, uh, I became a salesperson for software companies because I came of age during the time of the internet era. When I worked for these software companies, I was very, um, I was very amazed at how salespeople try to sell software that really incorporates best practices because the software has to be the most advanced state-of-the-art cutting edge tech, but has to actually comply, that's the key word, with best practices. I then realized because of my legal background, I would work for software companies that sold compliance software. I realized that the compliance software was certainly state-of-the-art and best practices, but I wondered one thing, why is it that the salespeople never presented the software as a way to automate best practices? So I tried that as an experiment and it actually resonated with prospects and I was able to create a lot of relationships that way and sell a lot of software. Well, after doing that for, I guess, a couple of decades, decade and a half, I connected with an AMLAW 200 law firm. And I said this to the chief marketing officer, if I can convert sales guys into subject matter experts who can pontificate on best practices, wouldn't it be feasible to convert lawyers who are by definition subject matter experts, give them a little bit of a salesy background so that they can then pontificate to prospects and market their services. So that's how I got into legal sales and marketing. That, that makes a ton of sense. And, and I'm curious, you know, you've, you've, you've seen, I'm sure, many things. And obviously, as someone with a JD to start, you know, law school didn't really train you on this. So how did you become a, a good salesperson? How did you go from, from law school to becoming a sales expert and a thought leader in the space? Well, thought leadership became my vehicle to shoot the arrow to the target. What I did is I surveyed prospects and I used a very legal reasoning kind of approach. What is it that would cause you, sir, madam, what would cause you to buy? And when I figured out that there was a gap between what people wanted to buy or what people wanted to hear to create an introduction to buy, I realized that if I fill that gap, I'm actually creating pipeline, which is what I do. 
and helping the salesperson, which in this case would be the marketing person in the law firm, or actually the attorney who wanted to develop relationships, I would help them fill the gap. But I'll give you an example and how thought leadership is used as a leverage to fill the gap between the service and the actual sale or the uh, service and the actual marketing of that service. If one goes to a trade show, you can hear different keynote speeches, different breakout sessions on certain topics. Well, guess what? General counsel also go to trade shows, whether personally or virtually. And if they go, they want to hear a certain message because something's keeping them up at night. If, a, if an attorney pontificates, presents on that topic, then I can get a meeting between that attorney and that general counsel about that topic. So it was just something that I saw, neither of the two sides saw. The general counsel is not going to call into a law firm saying, I'd like to learn about this topic because law firms are not actually sources of education. Neither is the um, law firm attorney going to make contact, even if they have a prior contact with a general counsel and say, gee, I'm an expert in this field. You may not know about it. What can I do for you? But if someone in legal marketing can see the gap and put the two together, we now have a relationship created which should end up in revenue generated for the lawyer. So I saw that my place was somewhere in between the sale and the marketing, and I call it initiating a relationship. I can initiate a relationship between a law firm practice area and a certain set of general counsels if the law firm practice area is a subject matter expert, which by definition they are, filling the need that the GC wants to hear about. What do you think lawyers struggle so much to initiate their own relationships? Lawyers, um, unfortunately, generally speaking, do not have a sales persona because they are executing on their expertise. They're not really introducing to their expertise. And now we're speaking about general counsel that the lawyer is allowed to reach out to. A lawyer cannot, generally speaking, a lawyer cannot legally or through bar regulations cannot reach out to a non-attorney. Um, and lawyers have many, many contacts that they do not periodically reach out to like a salesperson would periodically do to stay in touch with the relationship. The reason is because uh, to answer your question, unfortunately, the sales persona in an attorney, I think is looked down upon. The rainmaker might be an exception to the rule. But the attorney's job is to create as many billable hours or to execute and as much work as possible. They don't see their role as actually introducing or constantly doing some sort of marketing activity to introduce their service to the public they already know or to those that are waiting to be known by them. It's just not something that's considered as part of their, it's not, it's not on their menu. Whereas the successful attorneys need to go to people like yourselves and like myself to have someone do that. On the other hand, I'm going to answer uh, the question a little bit more in depth. The marketing departments that law firms use that they do recognize that they need, the marketing departments are more elicitive instead of solicitive. 
even again, those that law firms are allowed to quote unquote solicit because they already have the connection or because uh, the solicitation, so to speak, would be to a general counsel and not a member of the general public who is not a member of the bar, the marketing department really just keeps the relationship hot. It sort of warms it up. It nurtures it, to use the word, but it doesn't actually initiate it. Sometimes they do. I don't say they don't. Uh, what I do and what marketing does sort of coincides, but uh, that is really the answer. It's a certain psychological uh, prejudice or, or mindset. Yeah, and we, we've seen about. that on our end. And I mean, I went through that certainly earlier in my career. I did not have the right psychological mindset to sell. I was thinking, why would anyone want to talk to me? I'm a burden, all of these things. And I wasn't confident in what I was providing. And, you know, one of the fun things with the Builder Book Academy is we're now in our second cohort. We just, we just launched our second cohort uh, this week, I guess. Um, and it's amazing. We already had one person in one of our groups. They just reached out this morning and they said, you know, after we attended class one, I was really inspired by stuff. I went, okay, I'm going to take this person out to lunch who I've been, you know, doing a little bit of work for, but I haven't really asked, gathered up the courage at the end to ask. And the person said, yes. And now they have all this extra business coming literally just because they made that ask. And really, you know, that's just a mindset thing, right? That comfort on asking. And I still sometimes struggle with that um, for sure. Obviously a, a huge work in progress, but I, we've just seen through the Academy, you know, so much of this is psychological. And then the rest of this, of course, is giving them the tips and tricks, the actual things like Steve, you mentioned that the software industry is using or other you know, industries are using where there are best practices for salespeople and that lawyers just haven't learned. So you've got this confidence issue and a skills issue. And what we're finding is it's solvable. But, but to your point, Steve, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to struggle with that and say, look, I don't want to invest this time or I don't have the time. I'd rather outsource that. And that's where I think somebody like you really can come in handy where they know what they want to achieve. They know what that goal is. They don't know how to get there. And they're saying, look, I'm not interested, quite frankly, in this. I'd rather find a third party. And if, for that person, obviously, you're an amazing fit. For the people that are saying, you know what, I'm interested in building my practice up sustainably, uh, that's where we come in and really we can help people. And we've seen these incredible results. Um, Steve, I want to pick up on something you said about law firm marketing departments. And again, you spent a bunch of time working with them. Do you think their roles have adapted over time or for the most part, I know there are some firms that are, that are really doing things in a different modern way, but for the most part, are you seeing sort of a lack of innovation within those groups? Like how would you sort of describe what you've seen as somebody who's been in the industry and also been on the outside uh, helping some of these kind of firms? That's a very good question. <clears throat> what I have seen is that the marketing departments are under increasing pressure to produce revenue, yet because of their mindset, being Marcom oriented, uh, they're oriented and trained in marketing communication and elicitation. Although there's a lot of pressure on them increasingly day by day to produce revenue, they are not allowed, they, they're not given the resources or they don't ask for the resources to convert marketing into sales. So there's a catch 22 there. They're getting more innovative in their messaging they're also uh, reaching out to different verticals, like in the software world. So they're becoming more um, uh, granular. But the, the evolution of marketing into sales has still, they're still on the early stages of a journey. And that's why they need folks like you two gentlemen. Because as you said, very, very appropriately, marketing departments need to outsource some of the sales work. And that's where folks like you come in. In terms of initiating the cycle, which sort of overlaps with marketing, that's where I come in. 
But um, yes, they are under pressure for revenue. And sometimes you'll see titles change in terms of innovation. They'll be called chief marketing and sales officer, or they're being called more business development than marketing. But essentially, um, the mindset is still the same and they've got a long way to go. What I will say is that the same way that deep down the attorneys themselves want to learn how to market themselves, but they're afraid to ask. I think the general counsel want to learn how to do their jobs in a way that a law firm, a, a law firm practice area would guide them to do, but they're afraid to ask. Because the flip side, the, the, the inverse of a lawyer who would like to reach out and learn more about sales and marketing, but has a mindset that prevents that, is a general counsel that just cannot call up, nor can such a general counsel um, validate to their CFO the need to bring in a law firm before the disaster. Because <laughs> they will create the relationship through my work and your work, and then reach out to the law firm when litigation is needed. But they really don't call in the law firm uh, when prophylactic legal action might be warranted. So both sides want to learn how to do their jobs better, but there is a mindset that's holding them back. Yeah, it's really interesting as you say that, because really what I'm hearing is <laughs> it's something I think about a lot, which is these gaps between lawyers and different people. And I'm talking lawyers and private practice here. We've got this lawyer uh, public gap, which is where the public is not happy with legal services. We, we know that they're, they're too expensive for the average person. There are so many clients who are dissatisfied with how they're delivered. I literally had a new client um, last week and they're like, I've, I've been so dissatisfied with every lawyer I've ever used. Like, how is it going to be different this time? I'm like, let me tell you <laughs> how we're different. All that stuff you hate. Like, we don't do that because I hate it too. Um, it drives me nuts. But we've got this gap where lawyers aren't really listening to, to that. And there's this huge opportunity for people who practice in a different way, like my firm Renault and Co does. You know, we do a lot of fixed fees. We, do a, we use a lot of technology. We're, we're really, you know, the way we operate is very different. And clients like that. And a lot of firms just, and lawyers just, don't seem to realize that or don't know how to do it. So there's a gap there. But I'm hearing the second gap, which I completely agree with, which is between lawyers and their institutional clients or their clients with lawyers, you know, their in-house kind of clients. And, you know, in-house counsel are under so much pressure. You know, their businesses have been changing a lot in the last year. They're generally somewhat under-resourced or understaffed or under budget. And there's all these things law firms, you know, lawyers and private practice could be doing to help their, their current clients or more importantly, to make life easier for these potential clients. And if they think about these things as relationship building opportunities, you know, this person needs education, as you were saying, Steve, I have knowledge. And if you can see it as a long-term game where you really just want to help somebody right now, you're not expecting work, you're not expecting that payoff right away. There's this immense value you can offer for free to them at no cost to you other than some time. And worst case, you, you get better at public speaking, you get better at this, you know, all of that best case, you're building a relationship, you get work out of it. And it's not going to happen that day, but there's this huge opportunity where you have something of value and, and Donald, maybe I'll throw it over to you because we hear lawyers talk all the time in our cohorts. They say, especially when they're starting out and we work on this mindset, they say like, I feel like I'm a burden. I feel like I'm this, but here, you know, if, if they're not comfortable making that outreach and they're going through you, Steve, it seems like there's this enormous opportunity for them to clearly add value in a way where, you know, Steve, you're doing the dirty work too in the middle where you'll figure out if there's interest. And once you get back to them, 
they know there's interest and there's a very clear way to add value. So Dal, I'm curious, you know, when we talk about adding value, this seems like the perfect way for lawyers to think out of the box and say, how can I add value in a way that a potential client might need where I'm very clearly not being a burden? I think what Steve is doing is brilliant because there are uh, so many different currencies to value, right? I think people sometimes just think, well, is it just my credentials? This is just the amount of thought leadership pieces I've written. Uh, but, you know, Steve, you're, you're saying that your value is you going out there and educating someone on a one-to-one basis and really making them an expert in whatever your field of, of expertise is. That's one form of value. The other form of value is just, you know, being fully present. You know, we teach that a lot in our academy. Reach out to your contacts. Make sure you're fully present with them and just give them even just the gift of being, uh, 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 being helpful to them. Right. Sometimes you might not have something to present to them, but you have the gift of, of being fully present. Maybe you have a referral you can send their way. And now you've built a much stronger relationship. There are so many different currencies to value. But the first sale you have to make is to yourself. So unless you make the first sale to yourself, none of this can happen. And in some ways, what Steve, you're doing is brilliant because you're making that sale for them and you're bringing them in, into that uh, into that office. So, you know, I'm curious to, to hear about what happens after, you know, say they've solicited your services, you're setting up these conversations. How do you frame it to, to the general counsel? How do you frame it to the, the lawyer in private practice? And how does that, that whole interaction play out and, and the path to the sale, so to speak, how does that play out? Okay, well, we've got the, the path to sales, the, the road to the cash register starts with what I do. It, it ends with what the lawyer does. So a typical scenario would be, we've got a litigator that's in between trials and has a lot of time. Uh, they may not want to admit they have a lot of time. It's not really uh, socially acceptable to say, well, he's, he's not in court today, he's right at his desk. But the reality is a litigator or a practice area, I should say is better because there's always someone that's in between trials, has the time to deliver an online presentation. The, the online presentation should be about, about some topic that the law firm attorney is expert in and should be about a topic that the general counsel is really very desirous of learning about. So who is going to connect that general counsel to that law firm attorney? I connect them. I make sure that they agree on this presentation. What, what happens is, is the relationship is initiated. So one of two things happens afterwards. In a larger firm, the marketing department continues to uh, nurture, because that's their word, to nurture that relationship so that when that general counsel needs the litigator, the general counsel will call the litigator. Thus, we, we've arrived at the cash register. Another way to do it is if the law firm practice area or that particular attorney has a deliverable. The deliverable could be, for example, document review, but specific, very, very highly, um, very, very high level document review. Let's say a review of insurance, insurances that the general counsel is not competent to do, but this particular attorney is competent to do. If that's the deliverable, then once the general counsel receives the presentation from the attorney on best practices that I set up, something that mirrors something that the general counsel would hear at a trade show, it's a slam dunk that the attorney who's delivering the presentation will now be reviewing those documents. 
It's not even a case of um, upsetting an incumbent because many times the general counsel are actually already firm clients. They just don't realize that they can be sold, quote unquote, more services. So the, the, the real answer to your question is once we define what the value add of the attorney is at the end of the marketing sales road at the cash register, we then can think backwards to figure out what the initiation should be. Not all the time is there a direct correlation because you, a law firm attorney might just want to be introduced to general counsel in a certain vertical, hoping that in the future, that, that attorney will be able to deliver services. It's as simple as that. So it can be as close to marketing or as close to sales as you like. But the short answer to your question is, I do the initiation if it's a larger law firm and the marketing department takes it to fruition. In a smaller situation, it might be the attorney himself or herself that takes it to fruition. And how exactly do you initiate that relationship? Is it, are you sending them emails? Are you giving them you know, phone calls? Uh, how are you knocking on their doors? It could be emails or phone calls. Um, either way, regular sales communication. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, it's a lot of grunt work for most people. I happen to have the persona that likes it. I find it exciting. I find it challenging. It's a win-win. Um, we're educating general counsel and we're, we're doing the highest uh, form of community service that a law firm could do because you're educating people. It's all free. Uh, it's, it's the collaboration between the firms and the companies that really is not something anyone ever expected. It's non-crisis collaboration. And uh, so that's how I do it. Yes, but it's general sales outreach, correct. It makes a ton of sense. And Steve, I'm curious, you know, if, if there's a lawyer out there listening and we know our audience is mainly lawyers and accountants and other professionals, you know, what does it take to be better at sales? If they say, look, I, I want to use Steve's services, but, but I also want to figure out like, how do I get better at this? Cause you know, what, what do you, what do you tell them? Like, what's that piece of advice that they need to figure out? Well, you see, I've done this for an account for accounting firms. Also, I did it for the largest accounting firm in Brooklyn, which is where I'm from. And what I, what I found is this, there's, there's always something that, can be done to create a relationship that a professional can do. All the professional needs to think of is, how can I help this person with that they don't even realize that they need my help? That's the highest level of being a salesperson. The mechanics of the outreach really is ancillary to that. So if there's something out there that the accountant or the, the attorney specializes in or a subset of information that they know, and they have a cadre of some, uh, some clients that they've already helped, and they know with a capital K that others need it. It's just a question of communicating that to, the, to, to those that have the need. That's all it is. That has to be the mindset. Yeah, no, and I, I think that that mindset piece is huge. And it's interesting because even when you were reaching out to me previously, um, you know, looking to see if, if, if my new firm, you know, could use your services, I could just see the way you do this outreach is just so much more effective than what I would have done. Or I think what the average lawyer would have done, the way you frame it, the way you ask, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, psychology as we all know there and things like that. There's an art, but there's a science to this. And, and 
I can see why you're effective at what you do because you've got not just that experience, but you've got that knowledge. And I think when I see a lot of lawyers trying to do this when they don't get the training, and again, the ones you know we're working with in our academy, we're giving them that training of you know these best practices. Um, but I mean, obviously, we could train people for years, like you know, to get up to that level of that you're at is is, is a many year journey. You know, in eight weeks, we can get them pretty far. But obviously, there's a limit to that. And I think with you know, you've got that expertise, and I can see how you know that thing that the lawyer said, no, this is impossible. We'll never get that meeting. You're able to get it done, partly through you know sheer force, but partly also because you know how to frame those conversations. You're willing to take the time, and you've got that persistence, and that I think you're not afraid of rejection, which is key. I think for a lot of lawyers, you know, if you're afraid to get rejected, if you're afraid to hear no or get ignored, you're never going <laughs> to get anywhere when it comes to business development. Would you agree with that, Steve? I totally agree. What they teach you in in sales experience uh, is that. You need to get nine no's to get the one yes, because it's a statistic. You can increase your batting average, but it is statistical. So uh, it does build a thicker skin. But I like what you gentlemen do, because when I spoke with you, you've divided what you do and what you teach into strategy and tactics. And I like that, because the mindset that we're speaking about is not just the mindset of training oneself to go through the motions. But to have that strategic mind and then to have the tactics that meet that strategy. And that's what I like about what you both do. Amazing. And as we head towards the wrap up, Steve, any book recommendations, any things you think, you know, some of our people listening should be reading, you know, when, if they want to get better at sales and better understand some of the psychology or just how to be a, a good salesperson? Uh, I would not recommend any particular titles, but I think design thinking has a lot to do with what I do because I first um, shoot the arrow and then draw the target around it. I know in advance uh, how my message will resonate because I've tested it. And I think that too many professionals shoot off the hip without having uh, planning beforehand to realize how their message will resonate. Once they test how it resonates with a certain test group, I think that would do a lot for their confidence and their competence. I love that design thinking is at the heart of, of how modern technology companies are building up, how modern software companies are building up, not just their product, but also their sales process, their marketing, that, that, that experimental, that almost you know, shifting, changing, always thinking about the end customer in mind, the end client in mind, and, and kind of uh, um, framing the argument in that sense, framing the product, framing the sale, framing each message in, from those eyes. So we'll make sure to mention that in the show notes, but if people want to get a hold of you. How can they get a hold of you? In what circumstances uh, should they be reaching out to you? And uh, you know, how can they reach out to you? They can reach out to me in a myriad of ways, but I think um, probably the best way would be just to send me, a, uh, send me a LinkedIn invitation or if they're already linked with me to contact me through LinkedIn because they could see what I do in my profile. Um, uh, I think that would be the best bet. They get my entire background and sort of a quasi resume there. Um, I'm happy to help anybody. And I, I thank you folks for allowing me to make this introduction to people. Wonderful. Well, this, is, this has been such an interesting perspective. I, I don't think there's anyone quite out there who's filling the gap the way that you're doing. You know, we talk to lawyers, we talk to providers of services to lawyers and law firms and all that kind of stuff. And no one has quite come up with the, the unique model that you've come up with. So it's absolutely fascinating to get that insight. And especially from someone who's been doing this for, for years now. So 
really fascinating conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we we got to have you on again uh, at, at a later point to hear about your evolution as well, because the, 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 the entire dynamic, the entire environment has changed because of COVID. So I you know, can't wait to have that discussion. But until then, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you both. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to the Build Your Book podcast. For show notes of this episode and previous episodes, go to buildyourbook.org slash podcast. Our mission is to change the culture of law practice with these conversations. Please help us in this by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and help us get these ideas to more listeners by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. It takes less than 30 seconds and helps us bring on more great guests for you. Thanks for listening. Take care.